on FM, on DAB, and up to date on social media. We are Radio Newark. Radio Newark. Sam Smith there, and one last song. And it's one last song, just for a couple of moments at least, anyway, because we're going to have a bit of a chat now. We've brought uh, Linda Booth into the studio. Um, Linda, lovely to see you, to meet you, actually. Um, as I've already said, I was somewhere rather more exotic than last time you were on the show listening to you from Italy, but it's lovely to meet you. Thank you for coming in. Uh, it's lovely to be here, and it's lovely to meet you for the first time, June. Thank you very much for inviting me. So, um, you're going to talk mostly to Rosalind uh, this morning. So, um, Ros, over to you. Thank you. Well, um, good to meet you, Linda. <laughs> good to meet you, darling. <laughs> As I say, Again. Uh, Linda and I know each other very well. In fact, we've, we've been away on holiday together, haven't we? Yes, we, we have. Yes. On a juice retreat. Yes. Um, that was great. And I was just telling Linda that I'll be in Italy on Wednesday because my health's been a bit compromised. I've decided to have a holiday. But um, let's talk about how to be more healthy. And I was very aware that um, this month is... Um, IBS Awareness Month and also um, Bowel Cancer Awareness Month. So it's very timely that you're here, Linda. What could you tell us about that? Um, well, uh, yes, April, every April, it's IBS Awareness Month and um, Bowel Cancer Awareness Month. Um, I think for the first time this year, it is Bowel Cancer Awareness Month, whereas before there was just one week in April that was dedicated to creating more awareness for bowel cancer. But bowel cancer is quite a big issue. Uh, bowel cancer is the second biggest cancer killer uh, in the UK after lung cancer. Lung cancer is the number one cancer killer. Bowel cancer is the second. So bowel cancer kills more people than breast, prostate and cervical cancer put together. So I think that's why they've dedicated now the whole of April to more awareness um, uh, around bowel cancer and certainly the signs and symptoms. So yes, IBS, it's IBS Awareness Month as well and that's something that's very close to my heart. I'm a naturopath and a colon hydrotherapist and um, I've carried out over 60,000 consultations and treatments in my 26-year career as a therapist and many of those have been on people who have irritable bowel syndrome and in my opinion uh, many of them um, shouldn't have IBS. Um, there's a lot they can do and a lot we as natural health therapists, you and I, Ros, can mm -hmm. do to help, um, you know, dramatically reduce their symptoms through natural methods. So, I mean, that's very true. And um, we often have clients that I'll refer one to you and you'll refer to me um, because of the mind-body connection. Yes. Can you explain what you um, mean or what it involves to be a naturopath? What does that mean, Linda? Yes. Um, so a naturopath is a practitioner that has been trained and has qualifications in lots of different complementary medicine disciplines. So I began my... Um, my training over 26 years ago now and I trained in um, remedial massage and acupuncture and physical therapy and naturopathic nutrition and colon hydrotherapy and so I have um, I have quite a well-rounded um, what's the word um, 
experience in, yeah. in treating many different many different conditions um and i'm always you know i call myself a perpetual student as well so i am a naturopath and i am regulated by the complementary and natural Healthcare council which is the uk's main uh, regulator for complementary therapy set up by the government and the department of health and i am registered as a colon hydrotherapist with the association of registered colon hydrotherapists so i call myself uh, a holistic and holistic therapist when someone walks into my clinic i'm immediately as you are ros when they walk into your treatment room yeah. you are you immediately begin to assess them you are looking at their body language you're looking at their facial expressions and you're beginning to pick up almost immediately uh, what's going on there mm. and people who who come to you because whenever i have the topic of oh i regularly have colonics <laughs> um you get one of two reactions mm. you get oh yes they're great or absolutely never i would never ever 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 do that oh no 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 um but there must be people who come to you who maybe and you know no offense to clearly what you do but they might see it as a last resort i bet they've probably tried lots of other things before maybe i mean how do you find that do you find that people are just much more aware of their health so they're um self-selecting to come for treatments like this or that maybe they've tried things and their health is so compromised that they kind of come to you and go well i'll give it a go what what's your what's the reality of that situation for you linda all of the aforementioned <laughs> okay. excuse me so yes i do get uh, i have got many people who have said linda you're i've tried everything else you are my absolute last resort and it's interesting with irritable bowel syndrome because irritable bowel syndrome is um it's a diagnosis of exclusion so there's no test um to test for irritable bowel syndrome and all a gp can do is because it's very important and your listeners need to be aware of this that if um, if someone suddenly develops um chronic bloating abdominal pain and a change in bowel movement then they must not assume that that is a problem with their digestion they they you know we must never ever um diagnose ourselves they need to get off to the gp because with those symptoms um it may be something more sinister certainly in women it could be, those symptoms are a sign certainly chronic bloating are a sign of ovarian cancer and those symptoms are are signs of bowel cancer as well so anyone that suddenly develops those symptoms if they're over the age of 50 they need to get off to the gp and get those symptoms checked out um so if um if someone approaches me and they have symptoms of ibs then um you know i'm always looking for red flags i'm wanting to know well when did these symptoms appear um have they lost any weight you know rapid unexplained weight loss is also uh, a symptom of bowel cancer chronic tiredness chronic fatigue is also a symptom of bowel cancer so it's about tying symptoms together and if uh, i suspect that there's any red flags there that need investigating get them to the gp but then the gp they will what they should the tests, do. they will do the they? tests yeah. and obviously with bloating as well they want mm. to rule out celiac disease because yeah. if someone's got an allergy to gluten then they're going to be um getting very bloated and very uncomfortable they, they need to be tested for um, inflammatory bowel disease as well 
so like Crohn's disease and ulcerative mm. colitis because uh, those diseases can also cause bloating, uh, pain and blood in stool and they need to be tested for bowel cancer and women for ovarian cancer. But then there's not a great deal um, that they can test for when it comes to IBS. So if they've ruled all of that they out, need they've to had of all the, yeah. you know, let's really check that there's nothing terrible going yes. on, well, of yes. course, which is completely wise, sensible, the yes. best advice. They've still got the symptoms and all that's been ruled out. Yes. That's that's where you're talking about coming in now, isn't yes, it? Yes, yeah. yeah. And, and people sometimes say to me, Linda, I, I sometimes wish that they had have found something because then at least, you know, I have got a diag- I've got an explanation for the symptoms that I'm getting. Um, but then if they've had all the red flags checked out um, and they've still got these symptoms, then what's causing these symptoms and how can we as practitioners uh, help these people um, reduce their symptoms and give them a better quality of life because although irritable bowel syndrome is not life threatening it's oh it's, it's, it's certainly it's life terrible. limiting it's yeah. certainly life limiting when you're listening to radio new york here this um slightly gray sunday morning and of course it's girls around town myself june rollins in the chair and also rosaline um is with me and our guest linda booth now what i didn't say earlier on um that i perhaps should have done was that if you have a question for linda then you're more than welcome to give us a call oh one six three six six seven eight oh double three is the studio number and even though i didn't say it somebody actually did we had a call did we not uh rosaline while that music we did which is great so that's that's wonderful Um, because this is your show so um Kay in Boulderton um called and she's said that she suffered from constipation for a very long time particularly since the birth of her children and she constantly gets bloating she said that she's kind of pushed through or alleviated it by taking quite a lot of um laxatives but now she doesn't want to be dependent on that so her question to you Linda is um you know what's your advice really about this bloating this constipation um what are your thoughts about laxative use and um she's curious about a colonic but she like many people who've never had one would like to know what what it involves Okay. Um, hello, Kay. Thank you for your question. And thank you for raising the issue of constipation, which is, um, which is quite a huge problem in this country. I mean, re- regarding my clinical work, I see a lot of people with irritable bowel syndrome, but, but the next mo- most popular client, should I say, that, um, that comes to my clinic are, are those that suffer with constipation. Um, and we're seeing more and more constipation in, in babies and young children as well. But, but back to you, Kay. Let, let's try and help you. So you've been more constipated since you've had your children. And, and lots of women do find this. Sometimes it's a change in hormones that can affect transit time in the bowel. Or sometimes it's just the... Um, carrying the baby that growing baby inside your uterus inside your body pushing um the bowel and stretching the bowel and it never kind of goes back to where it was before you got pregnant and that can slow down transit time too and it can make your bowel a little bit long and loopy so the the stool the waste in the bowel has got further to travel and it tends to dry out and it gets stuck in there so obviously with constipation it's very important that you 
you are drinking plenty of fluids and when I say fluids I'm not just talking about water yes you need to drink a, a minimum two litres of water but uh, tea contributes to uh, to fluids as well herbal tea and even ordinary uh, tea even though it's got caffeine in even it. though it's got caffeine yeah, right. in it I don't mind as long mm. as people are still drinking plenty yeah. of fluid um, obviously fibre is very important and you should be having at least 25 grams of fibre in your diet every day and and exercise you know the bowel um, is a muscle it needs exercising and one of the best forms of exercising for the bowel is walking that as we're walking along that brisk walk we have a pendulum like action going on in the bowel and that initiates uh peristalsis peristalsis is that contraction relaxation of the bowel that push helps push the stool along and out and stress you know we have to Ros, we can talk about stress for quite a long time. Oh, yeah. Stress. <laughs> I think we can all talk about stress. <laughs> stress has a massive impact on uh, on the bowel, either slowing it down so people get constipated, or speeding it up and people get rapid transit where they get uh, where they get diarrhea all the time. So um, let's talk about laxatives then. So, Kate, if you've done all of those things, if you've got a good diet, a good well-balanced diet, you drink plenty of fluids, you're exercising, you've got your stress under control and you're still suffering with constipation, then yes, you could try some laxatives. Go to your local chemist. Um, get the advice of the pharmacist there. There's a, a range of different laxatives. I'm a big fan of uh, Senna, the herb Senna. Uh, and you can get that from the chemist, Senecot. You can also get Senecot Max. And um, so I am in favour of laxatives where all else has failed. Um, so try the laxatives um, because they should help initiate bowel movements. But of course, if you are chronically constipated and if you've got a chronically um a chronic lazy bowel then you may need something more than the laxatives to get things going you may need to consider colon hydrotherapy treatment so the question that was posed before we had the break <laughs> was really and particularly uh, thinking back to Kay's question what is a colonic what does it include why would it be beneficial i mean i obviously um very transparent here i'm a big fan i've been having them since the 90s um and that's how you and i met linda so perhaps you'd like to really explain it to other people yes of course thank you Roz. um i think colon hydrotherapy or colonic irrigation um has had a bad press in um in years gone by and it's been seen as more of a a beauty treatment having colon hydrotherapy treatment but that's because people don't don't fully understand what happens during a colon hydrotherapy treatment and what symptoms um digestive and gut symptoms we can improve um with colon hydrotherapy treatment so let's take constipation um as an example so if someone contacts me and they're suffering with chronic constipation and they're considering having colon hydrotherapy and they've tried everything else, nothing's worked. And sometimes I get referrals from GPs and from gastroenterologists as well because everything they've tried hasn't worked for their patient. So, you know, I do get them to complete quite um, a lengthy health questionnaire. 
because I, you know, questions I ask and the answers I get to those questions give me clues as to how this person may have developed constipation in the first place. So, and I take it right back. I want to know how they were born. Were they born via cesarean or natural birth? Were they breastfed or bottle fed? Were they a healthy baby? Did they thrive or were they prone to lots of infections that may have needed antibiotics? Did they have a good diet? Um, did they have did they suffer with acne as a teenager so had to have antibiotics for acne because all of these things <clears throat> have an impact on the gut microbiome the gut microbiome being the bacteria the fungi and yeasts in our intestines and if these are depleted then this can slow down transit time and um, be one of the causes of constipation and what having arrived at the solution being a colonic what can they expect okay maybe so just an initial um consultation they, they've gone past the consultation they're going to yes. come to your clinic yes and perhaps why don't you have a think about it and we'll answer this in a, in a bit more detail but obviously I, I think the fear factor for people is the i'm walking in that room <laughs> what is going to happen so we're going to lift the veil on that linda so yes. um let's leave that there for now but then let's lift the veil on let's that, lift the veil we? on yeah, exactly <laughs> You're listening to the Girls Around Town here on Radio Newark as we keep reminding you. Myself, June Rollins, in the chair, Rosalind Palmer, also here with me, and our guest for today, who's back, if not for good, for the next 45 minutes or so <laughs> at least, um, is Linda Booth. So we'd got to the point of um, the fear factor with yes. the colonic. Yeah. We're talking about through the keyhole. Through the keyhole of what colonics. goes on um, once you've done all those diagnoses and the tests and the mm. surveys and the questionnaire and you've really arrived at the conclusion that, you know, a colonic would be beneficial. What can they expect, Linda? Just before we go on to that, Ross, can I just say something again about constipation and laxatives? Because mm -hmm. very often people will say to me, when, when I ask if they take laxatives, this, this is important to know, I ask if they take laxatives and say, oh, no, couldn't possibly take laxatives. Um, you know, my bowel might get used to laxatives. And I say, look, for goodness sake, your bowel isn't working properly. You're not getting rid of your wastes. You should be having a full volume <coughs> bowel movement every day. There's an increased risk of bowel cancer with constipation and constipation will damage your bowel more than any laxative ever could so right. that it's important to know that okay then so back to colon hydrotherapy um right so um there's a this with colon hydrotherapy there's going to be some fear there's going to be some nervousness there's going to be some embarrassment of course you know around having the treatment but as you said earlier very often by the time people come to me and are even considering a colonic they don't care about that actually yeah, they just they've tried everything they've else. tried everything yeah. they want to get rid of their bloating they want to get rid of their pain they want to get rid of this impacted stool they want to feel better so um the first thing uh, i ask them to do when they come into my treatment room is to go to the toilet and empty their bladder and to get changed so i want them to remove all the clothes below their waist okay it's interesting <laughs> as well because i'll say this to the guys to the men right 
And how many times do they... And, and there's always a blanket or a towel in the toilet, as you know, right? I do know, because I you, go yes, to you. Can you wrap the blanket around you, you know, when, when you come out of the toilet? And the times that men have walked out and they've taken every single stitch off. <laughs> they've, not, they've not really been listening to what I've been saying. Well, they have, but only half listening. And they walk out of the toilet, not, not stark naked, but just with the, you know, yeah, with the, the blanket with around. The around so they've taken them. everything off, the shirt, the vest, the socks. I suppose they're just nervous. The Nervous, but I don't say anything. I think yeah, that's that's fine. Come on then, let's get let's get you on the couch. So you know, I'm very friendly. You have to keep it very calm as well. And um, I get them on the couch. I ask them to lie face up and to drape the blanket over the top of them. And I turn away whilst they're doing that. And I wash my hands whilst they're doing that. So I, I give them a minute of privacy. And then I turn around, and the and the, the first thing I do then when I've got them on the couch, I like to get my hands on their belly, on their abdomen, and I like to have a good feel of the intestines, the stomach, and the liver. And what are you feeling for? Because I know you do this to me, and um, well, yeah, what are you feeling I'm for? I'm feeling for um, restrictions within the intestines, and I, I'm tapping as well. You know, sometimes Ross, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tap, so I'm. I'm, I'm finding out where the gas pockets are as well and I'm just getting a general feel certainly when it's a new a new client a general feel of the state of their intestines very often when someone comes to me they've got quite excessive bloating and it's difficult for me to even palpate the intestines because there's so much gas mm-hmm. in the way but I'm just getting a good feel of the the state of their intestines and if there's any impaction in there as well and where is that impaction uh, you mean things that are trapped? Is that solid waste? Yeah. Solid waste, mm-hmm. stool, poo, whatever you want to call it, that's that's trapped in the uh, in the large intestine. But I'm also feeling the 16 feet or so of small intestine as well. And very often, um, if there's a, if there's inflammation there and lots of trapped gases, lots of irritations, then um, it's ju- it just feels like a mass of concrete. I cannot feel the individual loops of the mm. intestines. It's just one mass of hard, irritated um, intestines. So they're relaxing as well as they possibly can <laughs> yes. on your table. Yes. You're putting your hands on their tummy and yes. feeling all these things. And I'm always looking at their face as well, you know. Okay. And I'm, I'm talking to them. Yeah. Are you okay? Are you yeah. okay with this? And I'm explaining why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's very important and that people understand that. And then without us getting sort of an, an, an X-rated um, <laughs> content here, then what happens, Linda? And then I ask them to turn over onto their left-hand side and to pull their knees up to their tummy so they're in the fetal position. And I explain that before I insert the speculum, uh, I need to do a quick digital examination of their rectum with my finger. And the reason I explain why I need to do this, I need to do this to check the angle of the rectum before I insert the speculum for ease of insertion. And I need to ensure that there are no obstructions in the way, no hemorrhoids, um, no other and more sinister masses. That, if you found that, would you then stop that treatment? If I found, um, uh, sometimes, uh, I also have a good look around around the anus, you know, and uh, often I can see skin tags. Skin tags are quite common, especially as we get older, around the anus. And this can sometimes make it difficult to get our uh, bottom clean, you know, when we've mm-hmm. had a bowel movement. And, and if they get in the way, skin tags, you can have them surgically removed. It's quite an I- innocuous procedure. Um, 
having piles, having hemorrhoids is not a contraindication to having a colon hydrotherapy treatment. Um, so I would say, oh, you know, I can see a, a little pile there. Are, are you okay? With, oh, yes, I know about that, Linda. You, the, they normally know. If the pile looks inflamed or infected, then that's the end of the colonic. Um, and you'd refer them back to their GP yes, then, presumably. Yes, yes. So, um, okay, so let's say everything's fine and dandy. <laughs> um, and then you've mentioned this spectrum. Speculum. Um, speculum, sorry. Um so presumably that's not terribly big or uncomfortable no and i say to people and i always show people the equipment you know before i actually ask them sorry i missed that out uh, listeners um i explain the equipment used i show the equipment and i explain the procedure as well and the, there is a video of me carrying out a colon hydrotherapy treatment in my treatment room on the nottingham health and well-being uh, clinic website oh, so i think I, that could be great for people really because yeah. i mean nothing <laughs> nothing better to take all of this fear and embarrassment away from we, we will we will put a link um onto the girls around town website um i'll do that when i get home um I, I'm, I'm gonna have to stop you there just for a moment because I'm, I'm i'm going slightly into hysterics looking at the title of the next song so we're going to play it and then we'll come back to you Portugal, the man there, and feel it still. Um, which is, I say, we, we thought it was quite um, quite entertaining, considering what we're talking about. Um, where were we, ladies? Rectal examination. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, I'm not sure whether I'm hoping that the boss is listening to us today or not. Look, this is important public information. It is. Yes, it's about yes. Awareness Month. It's yes. IBS Awareness Month. We're, we're just... Yes, we're doing a public service here. <laughs> Carry on, Linda. <laughs> so, and one thing I will mention, I mean, I've carried out many thousands of rectal examinations and I've only ever had to refer one person back to the hospital, actually. I didn't even refer them to the GP. I referred them to A&E. Um, because when I uh, inserted my finger into this young man's back passage, I could feel a small lump and I thought, well, okay, that could be uh, a small hemorrhoid. I pulled my gloved finger out. I do wear gloves, listeners, when I'm <laughs> carrying out this examination. When I pulled my gloved finger out, there was some blood on my, uh, on my finger. Now, I didn't want to alarm this young man too much because it may just have been a small pile that was bleeding. So I inserted the speculum. And he was quite comfortable with speculum insertion. And then I asked him to move over onto his back with his knees bent so that I could uh, continue performing what I call manual abdominal therapy, abdominal massage that I do throughout the colon hydrotherapy treatment. Um, but, and, and this young man came to me with chronic constipation, but I couldn't get any water into his, uh, into his colon which was very, very unusual because even someone that's chronically constipated, that's got a very impacted bowel, the warm filtered water from the colonic treatment will eventually find a way through. 
and eventually act as a solvent and soften that hardened faeces and then we will be able to get it out and release down the outlet piping. This wasn't happening for this young man. And so I was putting the water in very, very gently, very what I call a very conservative treatment, very low pressure, little, little more than an enema really, but the water wasn't going in there, so I had to abandon the colonic and asked him to get dressed. And uh, I said, we need some scans on your abdomen, we need to know what's happening there. And what was the matter with him? Uh, it got stage four rectal cancer. Oh, wow. So, but, but that's incredibly rare. Yes. Um, and actually, yes. in, in, in sharing that story, you've actually mentioned pretty much what the next part of the process is. Yes. So you've mentioned that you effectively put water in and then that presumably flushes things out. Yes, yes. Is that is that basically what it happens? It flushes things out, yes. Yeah. And also, because I was mentioning that um, in the 90s, I used to go to the Hale Clinic in London um, and I wasn't so happy with the treatment then, and I hadn't even worked out that that was because they have a machine, whereas you effectively use gravity, so it's a lot more safe and a lot more natural. Is that correct? Um, no, not, not not necessarily, Ross. I the, there are two different types of colon hydrotherapy uh, equipment, shall we say? I use the gravity feed tank one, which is the original um, the, the original equipment that was used. But other colon hydrotherapists use what's called a a machine. Um, so they do the same thing, but. And I was trained on both, but for me, I'm quite an intuitive practitioner and the gravity um, method of colon hydrotherapy felt more suited to me as a practitioner. I felt as though I could control the treatment more, I could regulate the pressure. Mm the pressure more, either increase it or decrease it. I just felt more in control. From a, from a patient point of view, and I'm, I'm positioning myself as your patient here, I find it more comfortable. I find it just, a, you know, a much more comfortable treatment. Um, so I think given that also you have the video so people could see anything else about the treatment, I think what we really, you know, need to bring home to people is the benefits of those treatments and yes. again i can speak from personal experience or you can you know obviously share that so even when it's not a chronic health condition mm -hmm. um we can talk about just how much better you feel at the end of it so i think we'll come back to that yep. yes that yeah. seems like um a logical <laughs> next step so um we're still on the subject of colonic irrigation but we are um, moving to the good bit in, in a way, aren't we? We're going <laughs> talking about the benefits, I think, is what we've got in mind next, is it not, Rosalind? That's right, because um, obviously you may well have been referred for one or you're treating it as a last resort or you're just really, you know, are curious. But obviously, what are the benefits after it? Now, I personally know that for me... Um, I can manage and I've had IBS in the past because I was given lots of antibiotics as a child. Um, I also, when I was um, in my former career, head of marketing for an international charity, I travelled to some very, very poor areas in third world countries and came back with all sorts of things, including a parasite once. Um, that really, really affected my digestion. So I know that all of those things were solved. But what would you say, Linda? 
Uh, well, certainly, again, when it comes to constipation, it's an extremely effective therapy. And in, um, you know, I can, I have the experience and the confidence to be able to clear a, a constipated bowel out in one treatment. Sometimes it, it may take two treatments. It depends how constipated they are. And I think the most anyone has lost in weight, okay, but remember this weight is you know, the solid waste, that the impaction that's been in the bowel has been seven pounds. Seven so, pounds. So seven they were effectively carrying that round inside themselves. They were themselves. carrying seven pounds of waste inside wow. themselves. So they weighed themselves prior to the colonic and then immediately after the colonic and there was a seven pound weight loss. And when I put this on uh, Facebook, um, on the, the colon hydrotherapy secret Facebook page and some of my colleagues in London said, oh Linda, that's nothing, seven pounds. I had someone in yesterday and it was a 12 pound you know loss and that, that's just amazing isn't it and that person you can imagine how much better they felt when they got off that couch oh, yes and and when i've got someone on the couch and they are chronically constipated as, as, as the waste is releasing down the outlet pipe i can begin to see the color and the vitality coming back into their face so they walk into the treatment room gray mm. dull eyes well, I suppose they're full of dead matter as well, if well, you think well, about it. Well, yes, and it, that's putrifying and yes, fermenting away, you know, with the risk of those uh, toxins, those endotoxins penetrating the bowel wall mm. and getting into the liver and getting into the bloodstream and getting anywhere into the body. And, you know, that, that has all the knock-on well, I've heard health that effects. Sometimes it's manifested in the skin, you know, because obviously... The skin is one of the largest organs in the body and yes. that kind of putrefaction is trying to get out. And so that actually after colonics, people's skin has improved. Have you found that? Yes, absolutely. And there's a big connection between gut health and uh, eczema and psoriasis and uh, rosacea. And we have to remember that around 70% of our immune system is located in our gut, in our small intestine. So if you've got issues like IBS, um, you know, you you're going to potentially develop these autoimmune skin diseases like psoriasis and like eczema. Mm. So people often find that when they have colonics, when their bowel is working better, when they're eliminating their wastes, and then when they're taking probiotics to build up their good bacteria, their skin conditions uh, improve dramatically. Oh, I'm glad you've mentioned probiotics because we had another call. Yes, we um, did. Yes, yeah, so we had um, Margaret from Newark um and margaret was saying that um she's had quite a few courses of antibiotics mm -hmm. and that one of her friends had mentioned to her that um probiotics would be a really good thing to take but she'd always thought that just having a good diet would be enough and why did she need to take probiotics what really are they and what benefit do they bring and um she mentioned as well while she was on the call that should she buy one of those little yogurts with things <laughs> in it you know things, from the yeah. supermarket <laughs> um i know enough to have said no um and i think actually that came up two weeks it ago it did with, with, with sophia, sophia. Yes, absolutely yes. but um yes so 
and you have your own um, range don't you but we can talk about that later but what what would your advice be for Margaret Linda? Hello Margaret thank you for your very valid question today and uh, you don't say how old you are Margaret but that doesn't really matter I am passionate about probiotic and probiotic supplementation and I think that we should be taking probiotics from the cradle to the grave because they are so important to our health and well-being in fact I think probiotics should be put into the water supply so that everyone (laughs) is getting a daily dose of probiotics there's been so much research in the past uh, 10 years uh, about the benefits of probiotics well about the um about the the importance of our gut microbiome and when i say gut microbiome i'm talking about um the our intestines that are teeming with billions and billions of bacteria fungi and yeast that keep us alive i mean we are more bacteria than we are human we're only about 10 percent human the rest of us is bacteria so that makes me wonder um who's carrying who ross do you know what i mean i do and, and i mean and bacteria were here before we were we here call the flora and the fauna the flora and the fauna and, and it's yes. about good bacteria then isn't it yes and yes. It's, a, it's a battle between the good bacteria and the bad bacteria and you know some would say well we're losing this battle because look at antibiotic resistance mm, at the moment i've been you reading know. about that yeah yes. more and more people becoming antibiotic resistance because um they uh the, the antibiotics that we have at the moment are not working so people can die of a common um, in infection uh, but back to margaret's question so margaret um i would recommend uh well i do recommend that anyone that's had a course of antibiotics that they take a three-month course of probiotics to help replenish and recolonize the the gut with friendly strains of bacteria because if you have what's called low diversity of bacteria low levels of friendly bacteria in your gut you are going to be more at risk of autoimmune diseases now there's a professor uh, professor o'toole at cork university who's doing fantastic research on the anti-aging effects of certain species and strains of bacteria of probiotics wow and my you've next... got my attention now <laughs> anti-aging, anti-aging. That, was <laughs> that was a word we all homed in on and i've already <laughs> developed my next probiotic for just for tummies and it's going to be a 50 plus one that's going to have lots of anti-aging but you gave me some advice the other day because as you know because i've i've had this virus and i've eventually had to succumb to having antibiotics which are actually really improving it um and i knew about the probiotics but you actually advised me not to take them at the same time as the antibiotic yes that's right well you need those antibiotics to to work to kill that bacteria that's causing the infection uh, at the moment ros and probiotics are very powerful they have the ability to weaken the antibiotic right so it's important to take the antibiotics and then when you've finished your course of antibiotics then by all means get back on those probiotics yes if you the thing is with antibiotics we can get what's called antibiotic associated diarrhea Mm. Uh, because of the way the antibiotics are affecting the, the the gut bacteria, killing it off, killing billions and billions of your friendly gut bacteria off, and, and that can lead to antibiotic-associated diarrhea. So that's only that's the only time I would recommend that people take probiotics with mm. their antibiotics, but make sure you space them out. You don't take them at the same so time. Are you re- really explaining? Let me 
see I'm getting this right. So a bit like chemotherapy in a way. Chemotherapy has been, you know, likened to, you know, napalm. You know, we kind of, we destroy Mm. everything and we'll destroy the bad thing. But while we're destroying the bad thing, we kind of destroy everything else. Yes. Is that effectively what you're saying about the antibiotics? So there's a virus in there. There's, well, not a virus. It's a, it's a bacteria. It's a bacteria. Yes, yes. So the antibiotic is dealing with that. Yes. Um, it's killing that bad bacteria. Yes. But you're saying in the process, you're killing good bacteria too. Yes. And so afterwards, replenish the yes. good bacteria. Is that, yes. is that correct? Yes, because yeah. broad, broad-based broad antibiotics... Um, <clears throat> kill off as you say the bacteria that's causing the infection and they're very good at doing that antibiotics are fantastic at doing that but they're indiscriminate they can't tell the difference Mm. between good or good and bad so they tend to decimate a lot of your friendly bacteria not just in your intestines but in your urinary system women in the vagina our skin as well you know we are we are covered in bacteria internally and externally so coming back to margaret um and we've answered the connection between the antibiotics and the probiotics. But given her point that she made about that the rest of the time she has a good diet, isn't that enough? And you've made the assertion that we should almost have probiotics in our water supply. Why would you advocate when people haven't had antibiotics, they should still be taking a probiotic? Because I just look at all the the research, Ros, that's been done in the past 10 years. And for example, we know that as we age, our gut bacteria ages with us. And this can uh, increase our risk of developing bowel cancer colorectal cancer and you know there's evidence out there to support the taking of probiotics that contain um, bifidobacteria species to protect our large intestine against developing bowel cancer so it's a sort of an insurance policy it's an insurance policy probiotics are not going Mm. to do you any harm whatsoever they are pro (laughs) they are pro health yes yes well it's like my, my favourite one recently is essential fatty acids. So yes. it's a little bit of a clue in the name, <laughs> essential. <laughs> essential, because the body cannot make essential fatty acids and that's why we need to eat oil fish at least three times a week to get our essential fatty acids. Great, thank you. And I really hope, Margaret, that we've answered your question. And thank you very much for calling in as well. It's lovely to know that um, we can help people by just being here on a Sunday morning and especially with some of our guests. Well, the three of us have been sitting here swaying gently. If it had been dark, we would have had to have had our um, cigarette lighters or camera phone lighters or whatever up above us our heads, wouldn't we? And, and doing our best yeah. not to um, snivel and weep not at Ed Sheeran there. Yeah. Lovely song, perfect. Well, we are virtually out of time, literally out of time, literally seconds. So that just gives me seconds to say uh, thank you very much indeed, Linda, for coming in to join us. Thank you um, for inviting and me. And perhaps you'll come back again. Love to. Ros, have a fantastic time in Italy. Thank I you very am much. gritting my teeth. Thank you. That. <laughs> um, I will be back next week um, on my own again, except that Tina's coming back. Oh, um, just for the day um, or just for a couple of hours to be more precise she's going to be coming and updating us on what's going on in and around Southwell particularly with the open studios coming up later uh, no in May May and June and she's going to be involved in that so stay tuned Craig is up next I will be back here next Sunday morning from 10 o'clock and um, see you then thank you for listening bye bye, bye.